So, will they or won't they? Well, they probably won't, but they could. And if they don't, will they next time? But then what? More again? No, surely not. But perhaps. Uh, Today, we'll try and second-guess the RBA and how markets reacted to the fall in the services ISM number as well overnight. Does that mean the Fed won't this month? Or maybe they will. And should we be more decisive? Or maybe not. It's Tuesday, the 6th of June, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. I think... Well, a bad day for U.S. equities, a 0.6% fall in the down, 0.1% down for the Nasdaq and the S&P. When I say it was a bad day, I mean, the S&P did reach a new high for this year earlier on. Uh, Falls in Europe as well, uh, including a 0.7% drop in the Euro stocks 50. Not much movement in U.S. treasuries. Canadian 10-year yields, though, are up four basis points, up six in Germany and much of Europe. Aussie 10 years, well, yields were up 14 basis points yesterday for 10 years, up to 3.78%. Not much has been added to that on futures overnight and the US dollar well it was climbing a little it was up about 0.4% but then lost just about all of it in one go it's now pretty much where it was yesterday but the Aussie is up 0.1% the pound is down 0.2% the euro is holding steady and the yen up a quarter percent and as expected oil was up today Brent shot up over $85 at the start of the session but a lot of those early gains have disappeared it's now up less than 0.4% a little over $76. Uh, now, I mentioned the the, uh, the rise in Aussie 10-year yields yesterday. We had no big moves on three years ahead of the RBA today. Uh, Ray Atchell is with me to talk about that and other things. So three years have moved from below 3% a month ago. So even though we haven't had much movement in the last 24 hours, in the last month they've gone from 3% to 3.58%. So a 58 basis point rise uh, it is quite a significant rise, isn't it? And yet we are still expecting a hold today, aren't we, Ray? Or are we? Um, morning, Phil. Well, it's a, it's a line ball call. I know that's not what I'm, what I'm supposed to be saying. I'll tell you whether it's going up or whether it's going down. But when you think about, you know, what's happened over the course, I mean, in short, I think, you know, to a large extent, that backup in Aussie yields reflects the rise in uh, um, US yields, even though, you know, we have seen, you know, some crossover at some points in the curve, at least. But um, so I think that's part and parcel of it. But obviously, also, we've seen, you know, the market uh, having to price in some probability of a follow up to the May rise. Um, it's probably worth just spending 30 seconds running through. I mean, remember that the May decision was described as finely balanced. So the question is, has there been enough sort of news flown under the bridge uh, between May and June to justify saying, well, now there's a, been a, a finely balanced uh, argument for, for pushing on with rates? Remember, we've had the, you know, certainly ahead of the um, Fair Work Commission's handing down on Friday, we were of the view that a pause was more likely than pushing on. But obviously, we've had that Fair Work Commission. Uh, we had the strong monthly CPI. The NAB business survey has been strong. Against that, you know, retail mm. trade was very weak in real terms in Q1. Retail sales was flat in April. The wholesale price index actually was relatively benign, even though arguably very backward looking. The unemployment rate's gone up two tenths and employment was flat last month. So there's definitely overs and unders there. Um, you know, which yeah. I think well, home loans, value of home loans to yesterday, home loans came down 2.9% month on month as well. So that's right. Yeah, yes. Although obviously add, add we also had a further increase in house prices, which was in mm. May, which was one of the factors cited. Uh, the April uh, strength in housing prices was, was a factor explicitly mentioned by Dr. Lowe in, in one of the justifications for the rate rise that we had in May. So when you pull all those together, um, I think it's understandable that the market's saying on balance, 
I think you're going to pause, but we don't think that you're done. And that's sort of pretty much where the market's at. It's got about a 35% chance of a 25 point move today, but it's got almost 40 basis points in total across the next three meetings. So market's still saying it's a, it's a nailed on certainty that if you don't go today, you're going to go at least one more time. Um, you well, know, if, you, if you're in his shoes, you, I mean, you might use, uh, not that you not that of course uh, Dr. Lowe would play politics, but you might use the uh, the decision on award wages as a as an excuse to say, well, we'll go now, uh, you know, because because uh, you won't have that excuse at the, the next meeting. You'll be looking for some reason why you've chosen that meeting to do it. No, that's true. But I mean, the argument, obviously, and the one that the Fair Work Commission. Um, used in justifying its decision or partly in justifying its decision last week, you know, was to note that it's only about 10% of the overall wage bill, even though, you know, close on mm. 20% of people do get the benefits of the, of the new award. Do you then, you know, use another, <coughs> excuse me, rate rise now as a, a shot across the bows for, uh, you know, other employees to say, look, this is the consequences of you pushing for, you know, high nominal wages that we deem inconsistent with uh, with meeting the inflation yeah. target. You know, there is a price to be paid for that, unfortunately, in the form of higher interest rates. So, um, right. you know, the bottom line yeah. is, you know, it, it could, you know, how does he want to play? Does he want to play politics? I, I suspect not. I think he'll, you know, he will, um, you know, they'll be weighing up the evidence and, and deciding, you know, whether or not. But just the fact that it was so finely balanced in May, I think is what, um, and it was only four weeks ago, I think is what we think probably tilts the balance to a pause. But we have, you know, I have to say as a caveat that we would not be at all surprised, you know, if we do get uh, a 25-point rise. Well, there we are. So the answer to the to the question which I started the podcast with, will they or won't they, the answer is yes, isn't it, to, to that? Uh, they either will or they won't. So look, the, uh, the services ISM in the US, quite a slowdown in May from 519 down to 50.3 so only just in expansionary territory so it looks like that's impacted yields more than equities and we've had that sharp fall in the US dollar which looks like it was sort of like happening around the time that those uh, those services numbers came out Yes, now the dollar has come back a little bit. It's not showing a huge change on the day, but yes, certainly a reaction to that, and I think justifiably so, because really, the, you know, we know that that manufacturing in the U.S. has been tracking in recession territory with with PMIs or ISMs consistently below fifty, but it's been the resilience of services really that has uh, has caused people to think that um, you know how that feeds into services inflation is going to keep the the pedal to the metal as far as the the Fed is concerned, but. Um, um, and certainly, I mean, bond yields were about sort of four to five basis points higher um, in the Tokyo session yesterday, and that's reversed into small declines. I think mm. twos are about down two basis points last I've met. And if I look at Fed pricing for next week, it's come in from about a 30% chance of a 25 point. Uh, increased to, to about 25% and uh, about 80% priced across the June-July meetings. But not just that headline ISM, but uh, you know the uh, the details are also weak, right? Employment down to 49.2 from 50.8. New orders, 50, uh, was it 52.9 from 56.1? And prices paid significantly because prices paid in services um, are mostly driven by wages. And that's down to 56.2 from 59.9. Yeah. So the well, underbelly of Two a year ago. Is, yes. <laughs> so the underbelly is of the survey certainly weak as well. So I think that you know justifies that sort of tilt in market thinking about Fed uh, rate hike next week. Well, prices pay fifty. You know, between fifty eight and, and sixty. That's pretty much where we were in in two thousand and eighteen. Um, and in two 
2019. We were worried about was too low inflation. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So there we are. So we should be quite happy with that number. And then if the employment index has fallen below 50, I mean, that takes the the, the presumably less people working in the the services sector. So that takes the wage pressure off, doesn't it? So, I mean, all of that. Although, obviously, the, um, you know, that that ISM employment rate is pretty hard to square with last Friday's payrolls number. Um, Although, you know, when I was a boy forecasting these things, I remembered that the ISM, um, employment index was more of a two-month lead indicator rather than a coincident lead indicator of employment. Now, world may have moved on since then, but um, um, but you take that and you look at things like the NFIB's um, hiring intentions. Um, you know that's certainly indicating a substantial uh, slowing in employment growth in, in the months ahead. So uh, maybe we'll it'll turn out that the the payrolls number on Friday was a little bit of an outlier. Mm. And when you're a boy doing that, I, I just I, the vision just then of you sitting at the back of the classroom with your short trousers on, everyone out in the playground having a good time, and they're saying, "Where's Ray? Oh, he's in there doing economic <laughs> forecasting again." Uh, to, to your school days, I've got it all uh, all all sorted out. Uh, what's, your, what, what's your take on equities? Because even though we've had a weak day, I mean, the S&P is up uh, over 11% so far this year. And in fact, it's just clipped over 20% since uh, its low last September. So that puts it into uh, into bull territory, strangely, doesn't it? it? Does. Given we're in such an uncertain, and we're in an uncertain environment. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, why? I realise that's an impossible question. I'm asking you to explain <laughs> the rationale of the share market. But, uh, and no one understands right, that. Right. It almost looks as though, uh, <coughs> excuse me, back in a sort of, you know, Bad news is good news, don't we? Basically, we've gone back yeah. into sort of bull market territory on the day when, um, you know, the, the the part of the economy that represents eighty percent of plus of GDP, which is um, which is services, you know, looks like it might finally be be cracking and rolling over. So, uh, you know, what that means mm. for interest rates, of course, then you know, it then inspires hopes that uh, you know interest rate relief for for equity markets is not going to be too far, you know, into the distant future as such. So, um, you know, I guess to some extent that's sort of that's part of the story. Obviously, we've you know we've, we've moved to the other side of some of the potential horror stories for uh, for global markets. That was the debt ceiling that obviously was done and dusted last week. But um, you know, it's still you know it's still struggle if we are heading for some sort of recession, um, and rates are going to rise, and, and rates are going to rise again from here. You know, it still becomes sort of problematic in justifying you know ever higher um, equity prices. And um, but you know, there we are. We were sort of roughly twenty percent up. I think we were in officially in bull market terrain but i think we've slipped back a little bit but we're plus or minus 20 percent up and that vix measure um is you know made a, a, a post uh, pandemic low i think on friday and it's maintained those levels so bank stocks thing. have taken a bit of a hit though because the regulators talking about they might up the capital requirements by banks by as much as 20 percent, which obviously is going to be expensive and you presumably make it harder to get loans that'll slow down the economy won't it and drive consolidation in the banking sector you assume would be sort of like the repercussions of all of that yeah you would have thought so anyway i'm just getting across that story anyway it's a bloomberg source story i think isn't it saying that uh, mm. um we may see an overhaul of the rules sort of announced in coming days but uh, yes the headline grabbing number is you know potentially as much of a, as a 20 percent increase in capital requirements and you know obviously we know that uh, you know the banks are going to be they're going to have to stump up in terms of effectively their insurance payments to the uh, fdic following those various uh, drains uh, resulting from the, the need to support um, Silicon Valley Bank and others, for example. So, uh, And the financial subsector is off for over half a percent today. So it is one of the laggards within the uh, the overall performance yeah. of the 
S and P. But as you say, you know, it does play to so to perhaps some further tightening of uh, of credit standards. Even though the uh, you know the Q was it the Q one uh, senior loan officer survey didn't show a, a dramatic tightening in conditions. Right now, uh, OPEC, no surprise, the oil prices have risen uh, after those OPEC plus cuts. Uh, but it's lost a lot of those early gains as well. So, I mean, that raises the question. We won't dwell on it today, but whether, you know, if we start to see a slowdown, it sort of kind of makes sense that OPEC Plus are going to do it again, doesn't it? Which, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to have an oligopoly, you, you know, why not use the power? Uh, well, so <laughs> certainly Saudi Arabia is the one that has the power. And, uh, you know, as our mm. commodities strategist was saying yesterday, you know, Saudi Arabia do, does have scope to, um, you know, to further trim uh, production. Um, you know, it wants to try and maintain that sort of $80, which is sort of what it wants to achieve or needs to achieve from a budgetary point of view. Um, but you know, at the same time, we haven't got any um, agreements to production cuts or as yet quota, uh, quota ceilings for other um, OPEC countries. And, you know, if we go through mm. the next couple of months and prices are still falling and there isn't compliance with this, there is one possibility, and that's that Saudi Arabia decides to t- to, uh, to teach its other OPEC plus members a lesson and actually opens the taps rather than uh, than closes them. But at the moment, you'd have to say that uh, if this doesn't shore up prices, the risk is we'll see further uh, production cuts at least. But um, one thing also helpful yesterday, worth noting in passing, and also for the Aussie dollar, is that those Kaisin services uh, PMI um, actually you know greatly exceeded the uh, the relative weakness of the official one. So you know, they, they're composite indicators across manufacturing and services. You know, suggesting a, a pretty strong Q2 China growth story. And uh, that clearly feeds into to some support for the oil and other commodity prices beyond what OPEC uh, agreed at the weekend. Well, there we are. So maybe we'll see that. What I love when we get these segues, it's almost as though we've been rehearsing this all morning. Uh, we get the German factory order. So maybe that'll be reflected in the German factory orders if there's been an increased demand from China. We'll, we'll see later on today. Well, let's see. But uh, certainly the trade numbers that we had yesterday from Germany weren't, uh, you know, weren't so bad. Mm. And, uh, you know, fears of a of significant slowing in uh, Chinese demand for, for high-end uh, consumer goods from Germany. Um, you know, there, there's there's arguments on either side of that, but certainly the, the trade numbers haven't really corroborated that story too much. And, and uh, yeah. factory orders were down, what, 10.7% the previous month, though, so it wouldn't be surprising to see something of a bounce back. For sure. Christine Lagarde, of course, talking again overnight. The message is the same, though. Price pressures are strong. Uh, they're going to have to lift rates and keep them there as long as necessary, which she says means, uh, you know, it could be a while because there's no sign of under, uh, underlying inflation having peaked. So just sounding as hawkish as ever. Uh, data-wise today, locally, the balance of payments and uh, the international um, investments from the uh, from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So a growing surplus last time and the time before. Will it be the same? And does it matter? Well, the main interest from a market point of view is how it feeds into the GDP numbers, which we're going to get tomorrow. So the main sort of market moving mm. number is that net exports as a share of GDP. Now, we penciled in, I think the market's penciled in something like 0.5%. So uh, when you're running trade surpluses, I know sometimes it's hard to get your head around that, but it's, you know, what are we doing this quarter compared to the previous quarter and what's the change? But um, so at the moment, you know, market's going into GDP tomorrow, expecting something like 02 to 0.3% in incorporating something like a minus or a half a percent drag from net export numbers. So if that springs a big surprise, I mean, it could prompt some revisions to GDP. But uh, frankly, I think what happened to GDP in Q1 is is a little bit of an irrelevance. And I don't think we'll have major bearing on uh, the RBA's decision this afternoon. Right. No, not at all. Okay. well, we'll see what they do. Uh, Seeming as you've spoken so definitively about it. 
I think. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> we'll leave it there for now. We'll leave it to them to tell us what they what they want to do. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Ray. Will do. Thanks, Phil. It's amazing, isn't it, given that the RBA is full of economists. They actually come out and make a decision. I mean, you, perhaps they'll come out this afternoon and say, look, we are undecided. We don't know what to do. We're undecided. Anyway, we'll find out. That's it for today. That's the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back on uh, tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening.